I'm Ben Forrest. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. Welcome to an episode of the Chords Cast. I'm Alyssa Mendel, and today I have with me Kathy Young, the Vice President of the Myrie Syndrome Foundation. She's going to share with us a bit more about Myrie Syndrome and the importance of enrolling in the Myrie Syndrome Registry. So let's give Kathy a warm welcome. Kathy, I'm so glad to have you here with us today. To get us started, I think it would be helpful to just give the listeners, you know, a little bit about your connection to the rare disease community and who you are. Sure. So I have a a 24-year-old daughter who has Myrie syndrome, and she was diagnosed about seven years ago when she was about 16 or 17. Um, And at that that time, there was um, no organization, no family connections, no Facebook groups. Um, So I went on a search for finding some good medical care for her, and that led me to um, a doctor in Boston, um, Dr. Lynn at Mass General. And from there, we kind of um, made it made that connection, and um, I started reaching out on social media and made some connections with families there. And at that point, I started a Facebook group and um, continued taking my daughter to see um, Dr. Lynn in Boston and eventually helped her set up um, the Myrie Syndrome Clinic at Mass General. Wow. So that's when it started. And just just to give, you know, the audience too an idea, where is it that you were, you know, you were saying you would have to travel to Boston. Where do you, where do you, where are you located? Where do you live? Yeah, we live in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. Um, yeah. So how far is that to travel there? Well, it's about an eight-hour drive, um, okay. so we, we typically fly, um, and so it's a big commitment. We, we yeah. Now we go about every two years. We started in the very beginning going once a year until we kind of got a feel for what was going on with Anna and her body, um, because the reason she was diagnosed with Myrie syndrome was because she had developed some pretty serious medical issues, which she had never had before, okay. so we had to get a handle on that with some, somebody who had a good understanding of of what was going on with her and her unique um, situation. Mm, Okay, wow. You know, just, I'm gonna back up a little bit just because I'm sure a lot of people listening aren't familiar with Myrie syndrome. Can you explain what some of the symptoms are of this condition? Sure, so some of the um, common characteristics are short stature, 
um, they have characteristic facial features like small eyes, um, a small mouth, and, and a prominent chin. So often, um, if you see photos of them together, they, they look very similar. Okay. Um, many have intellectual disabilities and or autism, mm -hmm. and that can vary wildly from, you know, um, severe autism all the way up to just some learning disabilities where people are able to go to college and grad school. Um, they often have a hearing impairment. Um, they have thick skin. It's considered a connective tissue disorder. So they have thick skin and, and um, they have excessive scarring, which can cause problems during surgery because um, as they heal, sometimes they have even an internal excessive fibrosis and scarring. Um, they'll have problems with um, their cardiovascular and respiratory systems. So lots of the kids have heart disease um, and or lung disease. Okay. So those are, are the, are the um, most common um, characteristics. Lots of things. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like a multi-system condition. So I'm also curious, you mentioned your daughter is 24 now, but she was diagnosed seven years ago. Is it normal for people who have this rare condition to be diagnosed later on in their life? Or what are people getting diagnosed sooner? Or what was the delay maybe in your daughter's diagnosis? Right. So so for people my daughter's age, early on, there wasn't the whole exome sequencing yeah. available. Um, so if they had some unusual characteristics, it was, you know, they lots of parents will say, you know, we were tested for this syndrome and that syndrome. And it was just kind of like um, throwing a dart and hoping you, you landed on the right thing when you tested. So um, it, it often ended up in not finding the answer. So now more and more young kids are being diagnosed okay. because the testing's available. And often those younger kids have more severe um, medical issues to start with or just some real obvious issues that lead to a, a genetic consult. Where some of the um, people who are in their 30s or even older, which there are only a few that we know of, um, but their symptoms are much milder. Um, so there wasn't that um, aggressive search for an answer. Yeah, that would make sense. I hear often in the rare community, you know, some of these conditions the symptoms can range on that spectrum of severe to mild and it sounds like you, what you're saying too is the the kids who have the more severe symptoms you would be taking a closer look at things when they're younger because you're trying to figure out what's going on whereas the milder symptoms people can get through life a little bit easier or maybe until you really realize, hey, something might be going on here. So, yeah, that makes sense, too. So it sounds yeah. like your daughter is what propelled you to become an advocate for the rare community. So the My Recent Room Foundation then was started just probably a few years ago from what it sounds like. So can you tell me a little bit more about that foundation and the mission? Sure. So... Um yeah, we, we, we were founded about two years ago. Um, Justin Smith is our president, and, and we made the connection and, and decided to take the plunge and um, form the Myerson Foundation and become a 501c3. 
And um, we're dedicated to serving the Meyer Easton families by providing a network of hope and support and collaborating with scientific and medical communities to encourage and fund promising research. So, so our goals are to educate the public and medical community to ensure an early diagnosis and proper treatment, um, to promote safe and effective treatments through advocacy, research funding, and, and the comprehensive patient registry, and to provide a caring and supporting community for Myrie patients and families. Yeah, that, that community is so important for people going through life with rare conditions or having a loved one who has a rare condition. So with that too, it sounds like you guys do touch on a few different things with your foundation, which is awesome. I didn't realize that you guys had only were established two years ago. That's, that's fascinating, everything that you guys have done. Um, but what advice do you give parents or patients who have received a diagnosis of Myrie syndrome? Well, the first thing is to make that connection with other families because with a rare um, disorder, um, those are the people that know the most, the parents and, and the people with Myrie syndrome really know the most about, about what's going on. Um, you know, if, if a certain symptom has to do with the syndrome or if it doesn't, um, where to get help if you need it, um, where the doctors are that that have seen people with Myrie syndrome. So the most important thing is to connect with other families and then and then um, connect with medical professionals that have experience or try to get your local medical professional to connect with those folks. You know, that's great advice too for families receiving that diagnosis. Out of curiosity, how many people worldwide do you know have this condition? The best we can tell is that there are less than 200 people with confirmed Myrie syndrome, but I would say it's around 200 getting close. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty rare um, syndrome, yeah. Yeah, I would put that one into the ultra rare category, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's... Right. And, and we are, we do have um, connections um, internationally. We have a great professional advisory board made up of physicians from around the world. You know, a, a lot here in the U.S., but also in Belgium, oh. Norway, France, Italy. So we're well represented um, in Europe and the U.S. Um, and always um, looking for other professional advisory board members just so they can make that connection and it's they're a real active group and um, they talk every month and share what research they're doing and um, share case studies so um, we're always reaching out to try to form those connections as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah it sounds like you guys have a good system of collaboration you know oftentimes too I'll hear from groups, maybe they have the medical professionals established here in the United States, but not elsewhere in the world, or it'll be vice versa, where maybe they're, the professionals are all based out of Europe, but they don't really have a presence here in the United States. But it sounds like you guys, which is very fortunate, have that good, broad establishment worldwide with the prof um, medical community. Right. It makes for a real rich discussion and, and um, look into, into Myrie syndrome. It's, it's a great um, part of our organization. So I would imagine then that you 
have connected with other people who have Myrie syndrome that aren't just in the United States, like all over the world is what I'm guessing. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, have connected there. There's a Facebook group that's not connected with our organization, but it's a real active one. And, mm. and there are people from all over the world, um, Asia, um, South America, Europe, um, all over North America. So, um, yeah, we've, we've connected with people all over the world. Wow, that's that's cool. Uh, I want to go back to how you said that you, you or Justin Smith, uh, the president of the Myrie Syndrome Foundation, the foundation was established only two years ago. And the fact that you guys are so well established and also you have a registry going, which is also very awesome to have within, you know, that first year or so of becoming a foundation. I do remember we launched your questionnaire. I think it was over about a year ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, because some people have done their updates, so it's been over okay, a year. Yeah. yeah. So just for those listening who do have Myrie syndrome, uh, you know, why, what is the importance of enrolling in the Myrie registry? The important thing about participating in the registry is to have your information in a centralized location because that's where a researcher can go to access the information. So say a, a researcher wants to um, do a study on the cardiovascular system, they can go into the registry and find people that are appropriate for their study and contact them um, to participate. And the only way that we're going to find good treatments and hopefully a cure at some point is to have good research done. Yeah, you know, just to piggyback off that a little bit too, you're absolutely right, you know, and especially too when I hear that you know of only about 200 people worldwide who have this rare condition, you know, being in a centralized registry such as the Myrie syndrome registry with cords, you know, you're able to have that good idea of where everybody is located and how many people truly have this condition, you know, because that's also important to know how many people are being affected by this. Um, and two, the more data you can have from individuals with this condition, the better you're going to be able to understand what is going on with Myrie syndrome, which then, as you said, too, leads to hopefully better treatments and therapies and also a di- an earlier diagnosis, too, so people can get on top of treatments for their child a lot sooner. Right. And another thing for families that... Um they really want to see a good natural history study so they can know what to expect. So that that's a great benefit of the CORDS registry as well is that um, people update it yearly so that the progression of Myrie syndrome can be seen at some point. Yeah, that's a good point to touch on too. It's I could see very important for families to know what to expect too and it's also good for the researchers too to see that natural history of the of the condition too because then that can help them figure out okay this is an area that we need to look into more or this is how I'm going to conduct my clinical trial based off of some of the information that we're seeing here Uh, so yeah it is very important to make sure you're updating your registry or updating that questionnaire either in a yearly time manner or if it's monthly or weekly if you have to come in to update any symptom changes. So Kathy, 
anything else that you think is important for people to know either about my syndrome or about your foundation or any parting words that you would like to share? Um, just the, the, the foundation is, is, uh, made up of all volunteers, um, mm. the board of directors and all the, all the people that are behind the scenes are all volunteers and we all work really hard to, to provide the, everything from our website, which, um, gives people information and resources to the, um, conference we had this past year to educate, um, families and physicians, um, the patient registry is so important. Um, but just to know that we're there and we're available if people need help. Um, and just to contact us if, um, you have any questions. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, I attended that conference. That was a really good, <clears throat> excuse me, conference that you guys had this year. And two, it's it's been such a pleasure to work with you guys. It has been fun collaborating and working on this registry with you. Uh, and you guys, like, I, I would agree that you guys do provide such great support for your community. And I can tell that your hearts are really in this to help these families. So I thank you again, Kathy, for taking the time to come and speak with me today and share with the world a little bit more about my syndrome and the foundation. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you, Alyssa. And I appreciate how easy you made the whole process of, of developing and, and getting the registry up and going. Thanks so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Chordscast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Chordscast.